Stories, fables, ghostly tales. Welcome, you little lovelies. Happy frickin' Friday. It's the end of your week. And I hope work is almost done. You have me by your side narrating tales about guns that never miss. And if you're like me, have a lovely cuppa right at your desk side. Talk about a great day to chill and listen to stories. Mates, I bring you three more tales from the Writing Prompt series, this time from three new authors, Varanus Arano, Adzer, and Belmorte. A big thank you to these three lovelies that gave me the green light to narrate their tales. Now, I won't keep you waiting, so sit back, turn the lights off, the sound up, and let's get ready for something different. I was almost finished sweeping the saloon floor and dim flare of the gas lamps when I saw an old prospector slumped down in the corner with a raven the size of a large tomcat perched protectively on his slowly heaving chest. The raven cocked its head, flashing the sharp beak as if to say, Go on, boy. Try to shoot me out with that broom, and I'll take your precious horn-rimmed glasses as a prize for my nest. If they broke, I'd see the world through the bottom of a clear glass bottle for months until a new pair arrived by steamship. But neither could mother nor I afford to have a drunk man stay in the saloon overnight and wake up belligerent in the morning. I steeled myself and wrapped the man's boot sole with the broom handle. What? <sighs> He came awake with a grumble, looking at me from under the brim of his ragged canvas hat. Bright blue eyes almost sunk into the mass of wrinkles, from staring into the sun and gold flecks from metal pans. Boy, what's your name? What? I said. The man sat up, shoving the raven aside with a... <laughs> dusted off his denim clothes and looked me over from head to toe. Was your father James Hawkins? Yes, I said without thinking, then stiffened. How do you know my father? I lifted the broom with both hands. <sighs> Put that down, boy. I'm not here to hurt you, but to help. Besides, it'll take more than a, what, 13-year-old to put me on the ground. I am 15, sir. I said, but lowered the broom, well aware that a sickly, spectacled youth made for an unthreatening figure. Has it really been five years? The man asked, hauling himself off the floor and plopping into a nearby chair. I guess it must be. I was your father's partner. You look like him, just with spectacles. Anyways, your father's dead. He wanted me to give this to you. And your mother. He reached into the large oilskin pouch tied around his waist. My father, I said harshly, uprooted my mother and me from New York to come out here to the frontier of San Francisco, whereupon he spent nearly all our savings on prospecting gear and headed into the hills like he couldn't get away from us fast enough. As far as I'm concerned, he's been dead to me for a long time. A heavy purse clumped down onto the table followed by the slap of an oilskin document bag. With much greater care, the prospector laid a gold-handled revolver over the top, 
These are yours, young Jim Hawkins. And there's more if you have the courage to claim it from the hills and the men who search them. Carefully, I open the leather drawstring of the heavy bag. Five gold nuggets the size of my thumbs glittered in the gaslight. It was easily enough to fix up the saloon. If it were real, I'd seen men drink themselves to death after their grand find turned out to be shiny pyrite. That's a cruel joke if that's fool's gold, I said. The raven flapped its wings, springing up onto the table. I yanked my hand out of reach, the stabbing beak jabbed at the nuggets. It croaked, revealing a split tongue. Get it appraised if you don't believe the bird, the prospector said. But bring that gun with you, if you do. Hell, wear that gun at all times, boy. I don't appreciate blasphemy, sir, I said. I can't hit the broadside of a barn, neither. That won't matter. He tipped his hat to me. I'll be off and out of your hair, Jim Hawkins. Only be careful. Your father had enemies. Even if they don't come a-calling, you'll make your own enemies once people hear about the gold. I trembled. Enemies? What was I to do about enemies? Hide the gold? Pretend this never happened? Get out! Take the bird with you! I'm leaving. Just remember what I said about the gun. He shuffled out into the pitch black San Francisco streets. The raven hopped and flapped its way to the door, then stopped and looked back at me. I shook the broom at it. Get out! It didn't move. So even though I had no chance of hitting a blackbird silhouetted against the darkness outside, I picked up the revolver. It bolted for freedom. I thought maybe I saw it land on the sign for the flophouse across the street where it perched like a gargoyle. I shut the saloon up tight and finished sweeping. Tomorrow morning, Mother and I would pan through the dirt, hoping to catch some gold dust fallen off the miner's clothes and boots. I'd show her the golden nuggets then. She'd know how to get them appraised. She might even know where we could pawn off the gun. The document pouch, though, had my father written a letter to us. There were so many things I want to say to him right now. Scream at him, starting with, First you abandon us, and now you're dead? Now I have to tell mother she's a widow in truth? He was dead, though, and all that was left was... I tore open the pouch. A map. Not a neat surveyor's map, but the sort of hand-drawn map straight out of my childhood books about pirates, complete with an X marking one corner of the gold claim. I was transfixed, as though struck by lightning. Father had found gold, not just a bag of nuggets. A claim full of gold waited up there in the hills for mother and me if only I could get through the frontier's dangerous terrain and men to claim it. Me? <laughs> what a laugh! I'd break my glasses two miles out and have to fumble my way back to civilization. I had more hope of getting rich from gambling with dice weighted against me than I did of ever getting gold from father's claim. Mother and I should get the nuggets appraised and use them to cash in, selling the map to an interested prospector to raise enough money to get us back to mother's family back in New York. I locked the map, gold and gun away in our safe box. Then, a series of heavy knocks rattled the door. I hesitated, safe key still in hand, probably just a lost drunk. 
Better across the street, I called out. There was shuffling from the rough wooden porch, as if there were several men outside. The man who called back didn't sound drunk. Hawkins, open up, or there'll be trouble for you and your mother. It took me two tries to open the safe and take out the gold-handled gun, during which time the men hammered the door twice more, hard enough that the latch began to give. I heard Mother get up from her bedroom. I'm armed! I warned the men and Mother. My voice broke as high as a girl's. Why do you have a gun? Mother asked. What's going on? The door jumped on its hinges as one of the men outside slammed into it. Mother screamed. I shook like a leaf and the gun shook with me. I'll shoot! I shrieked, finger on the trigger and the other hand on the hammer. With a boom, the door flew open. A huge man in a heavy coat came bursting through. I screwed my eyes tightly shut and fired blindly. The gun bucked, stinging my palms. I blazed away, not even looking, praying my six shots hit something. Hands grabbed my shoulders, shaking me. I looked up into the wild eyes of my mother. It's over, she was saying. I dropped the gun and looked at the doorway. The three men lay dead, each one shot between the eyes. I did that? I asked in wonder. Mother nodded in bewilderment. What do they want with us? In a black shadow, the raven swept out of the night and landed on the large man at my feet. It croaked out, then stabbed its beak into the dead man's right eye with a horrendous squelching noise. I swallowed back bile, then as my legs went weak, collapsed into a chair. As my vision darkened, I clutched mother's hands and warned her. Father found gold. Now, his enemies are after us. I take the gun, staring at the gleaming gold barrel that complements the ivory finish on the handle. I slip it into my bag and proceed to head out the bar, but with questions still repeating in my brain. Why a cowboy? I've heard stories from my mum from long ago before the world was ravaged during the cataclysm. Either case, this gun might be the help I need to get the answers about what happened to my friend. Walking quickly, I pass through the automatic door back out into the R zone. Has it really been a year since it all went downhill? Tears start running down my face. I quickly wipe my eyes and start my hover skate up. The once bright purple lights now faded and the once brilliant teal of the paint now worn and rusted. It worse to life as I start to make my way down the street to my destination, occasionally checking my map to see if I'm going the right way. Many of the buildings I pass are all but abandoned or run down, the dark amber streetlights reflecting off them. Turning the corner into a dark alley, I make it to my destination, a nightclub called the Underearth. Well, let's, let's do, this do this thing. I say nervously while stepping off the board, muscles getting stiffer as I put the board in my bag while walking to the front door. The soft glow of the sign shining on the entrance, two guards standing on each side like guard dogs, a quick wand check and the show of my ID, they let me in. Once inside, I was greeted by a tall, slender, older woman with dark hair and eyes like fire. What brings you here, miss? She says in a calm, welcoming tone. I am looking for your boss. I have a donation for him from the outskirts. 
trying to give a straight face. She comes from around the counter and looks me up and down as I'm holding out a flash drive. It's content with the plans from my parent company for updated models for their new line of power mods and equipment. Right this way, she says, as she shuffles me through a hidden door next to the bar. As I make my way through the short hallway, I finally enter a large room, surrounded by fish tanks on all sides, with a rather large desk in front of me. The chair slowly turns to face me. Ah, oh, yes. If it isn't my favorite delivery girl, you finally have what I want. He says in a deep tone. Yes, yes I, do. I do. Holding back tears, memories flooding back of the night I was injured and my friend dying whilst coming back. You know, I was right to keep you alive. Who would have thought that the heir to the Rhodes Company would be here living in the R-Zone in the first place? As part of one of the top families in the world, you should have known better than not to have lived here in the first place, let alone try to make friends. That's like a death wish. As he starts to make his way around the desk, to sit on top of it. So, are you going to give it to me or are you going to keep me waiting? I'm a busy man after all. He snaps. I start to rummage through my bag and catch the slight golden glint from Nevermore. I slowly start to remember the details of the gun and how no matter what, it won't ever miss. I immediately grab it and point it at him. I did bring it, but I also brought revenge. The gun slowly shaking as my nerves start to act up. You fool! Do you really think that you could easily walk in and kill me? With a press of a button, three turrets and two armed robotic guards come out from the floor, covering all my flanks. Now, if you could just hand over your family's company blueprints, I'll let you walk away. Well, that's if you weren't Swiss cheese. By the time you get to the exit, I won't ask again. Hand it over. Slowly lowering his finger to the fire button. Do you realize how much pain you have caused me? The only person I've ever cared about is now dead, and my own family hates me. So for once, I'm going to do what I should have done that night. I begin to pull the trigger. The sudden rush of power fills my right eye and down to my arm each glowing a bright red. Now, time for the finale. I say with a cold resolve, with more tears flooding down my face. In a sudden, all the turrets and the robots fall where they were. The boss, slowly realizing what has happened, also begins to fall, slumping down the front of the desk. Blood begins to pool. Now to see why you blackmailed me into getting this. I log into the computer and after a few clicks, I come across a file saved onto the desktop. I nervously click it, as if it was an omen of things to come. Once open, it reads, Mr. Grant, thank you for your efforts in trying to persuade my daughter to come back to the manor. She did come back as planned and has since left again, all according to our plan. She should be delivering what we agreed upon in the following year. Enclosed is the amount for handling the disposal of her so-called friend. The rest of the amount will be wired once she delivers the package and you have disposed of her. With the highest regards, M and C Rhodes. 
The reality of what I read suddenly brought pain to my heart. The tears fell harder than they ever have. I know now what has to be done. I stared at the gun laying on the table between me and the stranger. The stranger gestured to it. Go on, pick it up. It's yours, not mine. Hesitantly, I reached out and wrapped my hand around the grip. It was heavier than I expected and a faint scent lingered around it, though somehow it didn't quite smell like gunpowder. As I raised the gun as if to fire, the stranger lurched across the table and muttered, don't you go trying to shoot like that, boy. She's made to shoot from the hip. I glanced at him quizzically and lowered my arm. Shoot from the hip? Like this? The stranger slowly sat, took a swig of his drink and muttered, Yeah, kinda like that. Anyway, now that it's yours, I'll need to give you something else. And with that, he handed me a small metal sphere, no bigger than an apple. This is the other part of the cell. I don't know if he'll like you, but if he does, he'll save your life more time than you can count. I had so many questions. Save my life? Him? What the hell was this thing? But as I turned to ask another question, I found only an empty table. The man was gone. I looked again at the gun, and with a flash of light and searing heat, it vanished. Behind me, the orb began to float, and lights blinked on. A mechanical voice whirred. I see Shen finally decided to pawn off his duties. I hope you're acceptable. I turned and stepped back in shock. Shen? Where the hell even is the gun? I asked. It's inside you now. But don't worry. It'll come when you need it. It always does. Outside I hear gunshots. Curious, I head to the door. As I step outside the bar with the ball floating beside me, I hear inhuman screeches and human screams. A four-armed monstrosity looms before me with a strange device in hand. As it points it at me, I wish, with every fibre of my being, for that damn gun to make an appearance. And suddenly, with a rush of flame and the sound of starfire, it appears. In my panic, I pull the trigger as fast as I can, flailing wildly, yet despite it all, six molten holes appear in the creature's chest and it slumps to the ground. As I stare in awe, and the gun fades back into non-existence, I look at the ball. What are you standing around for? It shouts. It's not over yet. There's going to be more of them. We need to get out of here unless you have another weapon. Wordlessly, I pick a direction and begin sprinting into the night. Minutes pass, and as I take another step, I suddenly feel nothing under my feet. I tumble into the void and everything goes black. I awaken to the midday sun. The ball floats lazily above me, muttering something I cannot hear. As I get to my feet, I ask, What? What happened? The ball turns to me. You died. But you're better now. Come on. We need to find you a weapon. Warden, you have a job to do.
And that's our writing prompt stories for now. I hope you enjoyed them all. Did you have a favorite? Any of these tales stand out to you? Each one of these tales had their own unique draw, and that's why I enjoy writing prompts so much. The diversity in story ideas, so much fun. Folks, thank you so much for joining me for this writing prompt series, and a big thank you again to Varanis Arano, Ardzer, and Belmorte, the special people that wrote such enthralling stories. And speaking of special people, my Patreons, if you want to support the show like these legends, visit www.patreon.com forward slash sfgt, where you can directly support the show there. Every dollar we do sent my way flies right back into production. Now, first up, my two Ode Night Tea Titans, Maya and Armello. I've been exploring artificial intelligence stories again, as well as reaching out to authors for super creepy and devilishly gory tales. If I can't find them, I'll go ahead and hire some authors to write some, so stay tuned. And it's because of your support directly that see stories like these curated and artificial intelligence stories researched. Thank you so, so much. You're letting me and this podcast punch up, mates. My white tea warlords, I own cows and Lee Bauer, you little beauties. Thank both of you for being so damn marvelous and supporting me the way you do. These writing prompt episodes have been bolstered by your support, and I'm so damn thankful. You've helped create something truly original. Thank you so, so much. My awesome El Grey Enforcers. Chad Warren, Just Heather, Paige Marcini, Peter Raffelli, Tasha Moncrief, Christina Boyd, Divided by Zero, Delphining Cow, Michelangelo Yacone, Tea Time Drinker One, and Chris Moller. Cheers, you brilliant people. You really helped this show blast along from one story to the next. A huge thank you from me to you, mates, and have a wonderfully awesome weekend. Stick with me Monday for more Adventures of Morse, the City of the Dead, which I'm sure will have a wickedly brilliant ending. As always, mates, till next, we meet.